This is the Interesting-ish Podcast, where I hope you listen long enough to say, this was pretty interesting-ish. My name is Rick Meyering. I'll find the interesting stories, and you keep listening. Stick with me, folks. I'm still talking myself through this. Alright, once I have recorded something, then I can save it and add it to an episode. Hey, what's up, podcast world? This is Rick with the Interesting-ish Podcast. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. It is the year 2019. Uh, Super stoked for both my guest on this podcast, but also a few things ahead in the new year. Um, One of those events I want to share about is, if you didn't know, I'm a big fan of Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day happens uh, February 2nd every year. I may even do a podcast just on the history of Groundhog Day, Uh, but if you're a Bill Murray fan and you've seen the film, uh, that makes it easy to love this day and to love um, just how it breaks up the winter. It's just a cool, cool event, something to get excited about in the dead of winter, which is something that's hard to do in Michigan, is get excited in the dead of winter. So um, Camp Blodgett, where I work, is hosting a Groundhog Day breakfast. It will run from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. out here on Lakeshore Drive, 10451 Lakeshore Drive, West Isle of Michigan. And uh, we'd love to see people come out. Uh, it's a $5 breakfast or $20 for the whole family. And um, I guess that's a family of five or so. But anyways, throw a little money down for Camp Blodgett. Have a great breakfast. Have a little festivities and games with the kids. And... Um, There's also an opportunity to share after 11 o'clock any visions you might have for our property and what's next for Camp Blodgett. We have our 100th year coming up in 2021, and uh, I just love this company, love this organization. Camp Blodgett has changed my life, and uh, Groundhog Day is one of my favorites, and it's on a Saturday this year. So come on out, check it out, reach out to me if you have questions, Uh, and moving on. We have on today's podcast, Mark Dykema. Now, Mark loves the show The Office. He loves uh, owning and running three coffee shops in West Michigan. Um, He gets into beekeeping. He loves his family. He loves his church. It turns out that he loves the Enneagram as well. Uh, Through the Enneagram, Mark learned he is a number seven enthusiast. And we will talk a ton about the Enneagram. Please know uh, in this podcast, um, both Mark and I are very level 101 on the Enneagram. Um, But it is an interesting conversation. It's a comical conversation. And then we get into just how he navigates being an enthusiast and being passionate about lots of different stuff. And if, if you're a person that feels like you wrestle with ADD or getting passionate about stuff and setting it down um, and not finishing projects, Mark talks a lot about his own experience with that. Um, that doesn't mean you're not a number nine like myself because we also wrestle like that. Um, but just a great conversation about his career path and um, living the life of an enthusiast. Mark is the perfect kind of guest for the Interesting-ish podcast because we cover all sorts of topics. We will begin with his favorite show, The Office, and we will end with him infiltrating the podcast world with his new podcast called Enough to be Dangerous. Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, Looking forward to hearing any feedback. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Interesting-ish Podcast. My name is Rick Meyering, and with me today, I have a dear cousin. His name is Mark Dykema. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We are going to cut right into an office quote. (laughs) Yes. I watched (laughs) The Office just in preparation to talk to you last evening. Now, for me, I'll give you a little bit of feedback. Yep. I, when I was in my 20s, thought I was so hip and was getting into British humor. Yeah. So I watched the original Office with Mr. Ricky Gervais. Good for you. Um, Stunningly hard to watch some of his scenes, obviously. (laughs) I really loved the original 
Pam and uh, Jim. Jim. Of, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Of, are, are, of the, is that those names? Is it the same I think names? It's the same names. It could be. Now I could really sell myself out, yeah. and I think it is a Jim and Pam though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and and they only survived two seasons. Okay. So when the the, when the, the British office is only two seasons long? I think long? so, and they were done. Wow. Yeah. And then America said, we'll take that and make it awesome. It we'll ride this out for a decade. We'll have a little revolutionary war, and we'll <laughs> and show you how to really run a country. <laughs> yeah. And we won't be paying you. And after two years, we won't pay you any. Because guess what? No taxation <laughs> That's without representation. Right. Amen. <laughs> so anyways, in the early years when it was being released, I don't know where my life was, but I wasn't watching a lot of American Office. Yep. Anyways, in my adulthood now, I have Netflix and they all have it on there, so yeah. I watch it. Last evening, uh, Dwight yep. started a fake fire in the office, yes. right? Uh who has the heart attack? Stanley. Stanley has a heart attack. Yeah. So out of that, they have to do first aid CPR classes. Yeah. Michael doesn't agree with it at all. Yes. They're pushing through this. Um, he is arguing whether or not the dummy who has no arms and legs yes. should even be saved. What, what quality of life is there anyway? Just so much wrong with the scenario. <laughs> so suddenly Dwight assesses, is the dummy dead? Yes. He proceeds to get a knife off his leg. We Open it up. Minutes to harvest. Only minutes to harvest the heart. <laughs> he proceeds to cut the face off, put it on like he's what, Jason? Uh, yeah, From yeah. Halloween. Yeah. People are losing it. Clarice. Yeah, yeah. It cuts to they're in the office at corporate with David. David says, "Did you have to cut the face off the mannequin?" This cost us $3,500. <laughs> to which Michael says, $5,300 exactly. for a Exactly. <laughs> Case in point. And, and so they had this perfect pregnant pause yes. after this. The yes. whole room looks at Michael. Then they move on. Not going to address that Not you were off by 1800 <laughs> My case in point is, yeah. I didn't even have to provide the punchline. Yeah. Why do you know so much of The Office? Oh, man. That is... Um, Maybe not why okay. you know so much, um, but you what know, drew you to this? You know how... Um, how uh, I'll go a little deeper into The Office. Mm -hmm. The surplus, um, they have a little extra money and in their, in their budget or what have you. Michael finds out that if, if you if you return the surplus budget, <laughs> then you get to keep fifteen percent as a bonus, as, right? As the manager, yeah, office yeah. Manager. And so and so, Oscar, who is brilliant, yep. says to Michael, "What's fifteen percent of sixty three hundred or whatever it is?" And Michael says, "You know, two hundred eighty three dollars, whatever whatever the uh, right, financial right, right. amount was." He nails it, right? And he says dollars. And he said, "Why do you say dollars?" And he says. Um, he says, that's just the way my mind works, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And at the same time, Kevin's like, Michael's a genius. And, and <laughs> so Kevin's trying to come up with some sort of big thing. And then Oscar says, Michael, what's 15% of 200? And Michael's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> so the side where Michael says, that's just how my mind works. Uh -huh. Like it. You know, there's those those shows that or movies that you love that you watch a second time, yes. and you get just a little bit more out of it, mm -hmm. right? Um, because it's just a little bit more funny, or or because you already know what's going to happen, so you're not caught off guard by that. Yeah. The Office is one of those things where I I watch it and like the the initial humor that one might get on the second episode mm -hmm. hits me right then and there like the even the less obvious ones but just yes the subtle humor yeah the brilliance in that writing room yeah is, and i'm just like i feel like i'm like right on par yeah like if i could if i had a time machine i could go back and i could sit and i could find a way to situate myself to be in the writer's room for writing the office yep that would be yep the life and it was a scenario that american television had not really seen yet Right. At just the right time when I think we needed humor. I think this yep. was early 2000s. Yep. That uh, America was trying to figure out how to laugh again. Yep. And so maybe we looked across the pond to say, yeah. let's do it yeah. that way. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Very good. Yep. Um, 
Fun stuff, fun stuff. So we had to start out with the office. Maybe yep. we'll come back around. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we can. <laughs> what I've been finding in the Interesting-ish podcast is we talk with people a little bit about their journey. And what has been a theme that's been coming up is there's so much of who you are that goes into the work you do. But I try to pick out maybe for others who are on a younger journey, whether it be in high school, college, or at kind of a uh, maybe a, a blockade in their uh, current career path mm-hmm. where they're looking for something different. Yep. I feel like you have faced that in your journey um, maybe several times. <laughs> we'll talk at the end of this how yeah. you're uh, looking at new endeavors. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Enneagram because you have learned a little bit about your uh, identifying number. Tell us what you've learned. What is the Enneagram for maybe our audience that doesn't understand what sure. that is? And then kind of how you found... Uh, better understanding of your own selfhood in identifying. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what number are you? Do you know? I f- I'm about 99% sure that I am a nine. Okay. That I'm a peacekeeper. I like nines. Um, yeah. I try to identify with you in your shoes. Yeah. And I'm all about being calm, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> My wife would tell you that I don't always identify as a nine in the household. Sure. Probably because we have a six and four year old yep. that are competitive. So you're under stress. And when there's disharmony, um, I have a hard time with it. Yeah. So I, I act out out of not my my wholeness. Not a, yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Yeah. So the Enneagram, you can help me explain this too, because sure. um, I'm I can adequately explain it, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not a great Enneagram salesman. I feel like because I get sure. so excited about stuff that I you know I can. I can punch the highlights and, and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm so, with you. I think the, those that are well-versed in the Enneagram can listen to both you and I and be like, well. Yeah, okay, is. guys, hold on. So we're yeah. the armchair Enneagram experts. Um, but everybody has got this team to the Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. I have yeah. had these little tidbits that have helped me yeah. understand myself and others better. Um, the Yeah. So, so we discovered the Enneagram. Um, Jennifer, my bride, and I discovered the Enneagram – this um, past spring, mm-hmm. so so we've been rolling with it now for let's say eight months. Sure. I'd say, and um, what the enneagram is 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 a diagram that um, is a circle. It's a personality profiling test, but it helps somebody assess who they are and helps give direction towards their purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, if I were to describe the Enneagram on a on a list of profile tests, of, yes. of personality tests, the Enneagram is the onion that you can just keep on peeling back layer after layer after yeah, layer. indeed. And you're never going to get to the center of that thing. Yep. The Myers-Briggs, the Strengths Finder, the you name it. They can be very line- linear and binary. And very boxish yeah right yeah whereas whereas the enneagram because it's a circle and there are nine personality types yeah uh but it's it's like saying you're a color if i said rick i need you to go to the store and pick out a red paint swatch sure and that's the only direction i gave you you've got about ten thousand to choose from right? right and so 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 doesn't box you in as much because you could be on the oranger side of red. You could be on the, what would be the other side? The purpler side of red, right? right? right. That kind of thing. Um, and based on kind of your your wellness or your health, it talks about how you act in health and under right. stress. Right. And you, you kind of have these varying colors of your selfhood. Yep. Yep. based on your number and yep. kind of what motivates you. Yes. Right? Exactly. Those numbers are, are a tell of what we are drawn to, what motivates us, what right. creates action right. within our character. What, we're, what we have a proclivity towards, what we, um, what what might tempt us, what it, – it, it, it helps explain a whole lot. Sure. And if I had taken – if I had done Enneagram research, I don't want to say take a test because they're depending on your health mm-hmm. emotionally, you're not going to get the same number if you're, you know, on right. either side of this kind, right. kind of thing. Um, but 
if I had done Enneagram research and figured out who I am and who can, who, what, what number I can identify with as an 18 year old. Sure. Night and day difference as to who I am, who I would have been now. It would make our twenties a lot more oh, sense, right? So much <laughs> Instead more. Instead of stumbling you know? through a decade yes. of life, maybe. <laughs> yes, exactly. So tell us about your selfhood. What, what, what had, how did this rise to the surface um, for you? Yeah. Well, so I'm a seven, Enneagram seven, and Enneagram seven is an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, um, we can be comedians mm-hmm. um, of a certain type, right? Uh, entertainers. Um, we are the, um, we can start a business and, we have the mindset most often of failure is an option. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the option that we necessarily want to do, mm-hmm. but boy, if it is, we're going to have fun sinking this <laughs> ship. You know what I mean? Sure. That's, that's essentially, that's sort sure. of the, the sevens mindset. Um, and, and so as humbly as I can say it, we're pretty successful mm-hmm. at whatever we do. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean success. Does not necessarily mean calling, right? Wiring, any of those sorts of things, right? So, um, so out of college, I started out as an insurance agent, and um, my father-in-law was and is an insurance agent. Sure. And so, uh, it seemed to fall in line. He owned his own agency. I started my own agency essentially as a subcontractor kind of thing yeah. but i was doing my own customer service work and and quoting and writing the policies and and the entire the entire right um the entire bill right right and out of college this makes sense you you have a wife this is yep. a family business yeah i can find my way through this especially as an enthusiast yeah i can get on board for this particularly yep. if it provides for my family right and it allows me to be successful there's a there's a big draw in the insurance world, um, in the most perfect of pictures, where you have a, a client come in, right? You come in early married. I write up your uh, home and auto policy. Right. You have kids. We increase your liability. You know, you have some more assets that you want to protect and, and insure and yep. stuff like that. And, and, Year after year, the only thing you're doing is 16 years after your kid's born, you're calling me and adding a vehicle and a driver to your policy. That's driving up your premium. But otherwise, you're relatively hands-off, and you get this renewal premium coming in where the commission isn't as um, good as a new business thing because the incentive is to write new business. But it's sort of this picture of you're writing new business, but you've got this foundation that keeps on growing. Yep. So that when you're 35 years old, you can just pick your nose all day. Right. You've created an insurance portfolio that is uh, uh, residual income. And then it's like it's it's your crockpot business. Set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. And that is the reality of many insurance agents. If all they do is hustle mm-hmm. and if they really like insurance. And for you, you know, at that time, you did not know you were an enthusiast. Right. But you did know that you had a brain that was looking all over the place. All the time. You were seeing things and I I see you today and I, you know, even prior to knowing you as an enthusiast, I knew you as a cousin. Yeah. And I would think, man, this kid is younger than me. <laughs> But he is a go-getter. And so suddenly next time I talk to you at the holidays, yeah. oh, yeah, we're beekeeping. We're, uh, we uh, we keep a few hives. Yep. And, um, I'm going to put the pool in over there next yeah. spring. And I'm going to put a fence up really quick as well. Um, Fences are done, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe when you have 17 things yeah. in your brain. Yeah. But, you know, you had this knack for, and I even called you a few months back, an achiever. Now, yeah. is, is that a specific number? Achiever is a three. Sure. Typically classified as a three. Yeah. And the achiever is um, is a is a super competitive person. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, really similar, high energy, go getter, but they're the ones that have fancy degrees mm. and all this other stuff. 
and um, it's and for the there's, sake there's of not, it's for the yeah. sake of meeting the mark. Yes, no pun intended. Trying to trying to impress people. Okay, I um, I mean I love impressing people, but there's very little in me that says I'm going to post this picture on Instagram mm-hmm. because it's gonna because I'm going to see how many likes it can get. Yeah, I'm going to post this picture on Instagram because I think it's hilarious. Sure, and I think. People are going to have a lot of fun seeing it. Yeah. Right? You get a rush out of that initial idea yeah. uh, with yeah. with hobbies or, or careers right. or whatever it may be. Yep. You get a rush out of, oh, this is sweet. I'm pumped up. Right. right. This is getting me going. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, I went into insurance headstrong. Okay. Full bore. Two years in, now I'm getting the phone calls about accidents that have happened or you know so-and-so's car broke down so i need to change out this car this and that oh i've i decided to buy insurance online some flimsy tinfoil policy Mm -hmm. that's you know barely protect me and so you know you're a rip-off scumbag of an agent and that kind of thing and i man that just was that was tough and so um a buddy of mine and i we started to um I had him over with Grandpa George's. I I raided his garage. Yes. And because uh, Grandma was making him get rid of all this stuff, so raided his garage and got plywood and and boards out of it. Yes. And had a buddy come over, and he and I made cornhole boards. Mm-hmm. And we both went to Hope College, so we painted them up Hope colors and all this other stuff. And Hope H on mine, and he got the Hope anchor painted on his and stuff like that. Awesome. Look great. He's like, hey, I want to make another set for my buddy's wedding, so I'll buy the wood. We'll make, when you buy a sheet of plywood, you get enough to make four boards or two sets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had learned to sew just to sew these bags, so I learned to sew, and, and, and I'm like, I can sew more bags. That's not a problem. Is this to the point you ended up with six sewing machines? Eight, your... eight, eight sewing machines, yes. And yes. you're looking for the right stitch? What's going on here? <laughs> well, that was... Um, that's because certain machines do certain kinds of seams. So okay. I had sergers. How much do you know about grandma's sewing stuff? Minimal. Minimal. <laughs> I had sergers, which is the edge that's typically found on the inside of a sleeve. Okay, sure. Um, cuts the fabric and then does a, a wraparound seam. Yep. So I had sergers. Those could serge. Those could put a lot more threads in at a lot faster pace. That's putting an, an interior seam inside the thread so that the exposed piece is a nice, is a clean nice line. fold. Yes, yes, exactly. yes, yes. And I had four of those machines because they're they're the ones that if you look at a machine they got like that like antenna coming up and they got the four like four or five strings coming down. Okay. Yeah. And and if you snap a string or something like that, the wire like the, the thread goes nuts. And if you want to restring it, you gotta you, you need some sort of fancy degree in order just to thread these things, mm-hmm. right? And so rather than spending all my time threading them, I went Henry Ford style and I just bought three of them, mm-hmm. used, great condition, and three or four of them. I had four of them, I think, at, at the end. And and I would just if I had bags that needed a white, you know, because you can sort of see on that fold. Yeah. Particularly with the cloth that we were using is pretty thick, so you can see that outer thread color so i would just have a white a black a navy and then a, a one that was a quick change yes. kind of thing so you are a full-time insurance salesman yep you're married yep and you and your friend on the side hustle yep are making corn hole sets yep with bean bags and the whole works yep once final, you got to the end tell me what how many did you make in that final year final year well i had our cousin lance and some of his buddies come over <laughs> we were in the garage I bought a pallet of plywood. Uh-huh. I had I had left the insurance world mm-hmm. um, at that point and was moving on to opening a coffee shop. And but between leaving insurance and getting to turn on the open sign, mm-hmm. there was no income. Sure. So I needed some income of some sort that was going to be more than just some side hustle income. Right. Right. And this so, wedding here or these. Yeah. There. Whatever. Yeah. So so I uh, so I. I mortgaged our tax return, having just had our second and getting a, a, a somewhat decent tax return. Bought a pallet of plywood, two pallets of two by fours. Had these boys come over, a bunch of high energy eighteen year old kids. <laughs> right. 
who can eat a Subway footlong sub in about 30 seconds flat. I kid you not. Those kids inhaled the lunch that I brought for them. Wow. So anyway, um, but we put together 260 boards in two days. Mm -hmm. 260 cornhole boards, primed, holes filled, legs on, everything. Holes, you know, big six-inch hole cut, everything like that. And then spent the entire summer designing, painting, selling, and then with, with Andy's help, on the on the painting production side yep. he did most of that i did some uh of the i don't higher end doesn't sound right but the more intricate custom work where andy was pounding out the boards that had two colors or we yeah the raw detroit tigers stuff. detroit tiger d's like hotcakes so right so he could just had 12 of those boards lined up and you can just run around with a spray paint can and spray it all yeah. down you know that kind and of thing and you had the ones that said i want the family picture on yes, our corn yes set. exactly yes i painted <laughs> i had to hand paint a salmon on one mm. um we had steel cases 150 year anniversary i think or something like that and that logo was i mean when i put it onto my computer that logo was I think 200 and some odd colors mm-hmm. when it tried to like itemize everything out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so just hand painting in all these different things. But, um, but what was really helpful with that, I, I don't, we had done that. There's probably a three year overlap of insurance and, uh, that business we called it bag boys. Oh yeah. Um, yep. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and what was really helpful with that was, I learned Facebook marketing. I learned um, customization for customers and stuff like that. That's not necessarily a skill that insurance taught me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, and then you know vendors because we started having to buy thousands of pounds of dried feed corn at a time. Yeah, uh, thread, yeah, fabric, I mean, all of that kind of stuff. So you're learning about pricing I'm and raw materials. So much Inventory. Stuff. So much. Yeah. So many skills just in this little side hustle. And so um, it was kind of a glue or a catalyst between two industries for you. And the biggest thing was my parents are partners in the business. Yep. Um, we own or working on building our fourth franchised coffee shop. Yep. And they're not cheap to open, right? right? And so, so, mom and dad are leveraging their retirement mm-hmm. on the success of these coffee shops. Mm-hmm. And what more? How much more comfortable could they be knowing that their son knows how to? I mean, there were some some days that I was staying up till four in the morning painting stinking boards, mm-hmm. you know, and that I learned all these skills of of you know, all these skills that we talked about. Right. How much more at ease are they able to be knowing that when push comes to shove, that I'm going to have my shoulder on the plow yeah. getting stuff done. Yeah. And that I literally risked at the age of 26 mm-hmm. with two extra mouths to feed besides Jennifer and mine, every penny I had yes. on plywood. Yes. Right. You know, and and took that very seriously. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's and it's that um, man. I can't think of the Bible verse, but it's um, do not despise small beginnings. I think it's in Proverbs. Somewhere. Okay, yeah. And and it's that it's that same idea of of that was not a huge money maker. Yeah. Especially in the first few years, it was a money taker. Mm-hmm. But um, I try to tell my people to who work for me, my baristas who I pay more than minimum wage, but not a lot more than minimum wage. But I try to tell them, look, like my goal here isn't to just get you a paycheck or just to pay you with dollars, Mm -hmm. but you're going to learn a lot about how to treat people. Yes. How to handle customers that are upset, you know, all Mm -hmm. these different sort of things. So, Um. Yeah, it actually made me so fascinated in employment culture as well. So I can remember a mutual friend of ours, Todd Penning. Um, oh, we all spent uh, Toddy boy a week in the uh, Dominican, the Dominican Republic yeah. together on one of these uh, valuable short-term mission trips. Like yeah. we 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 built a church that had been, I think, 
demolished. It was either new or it was demolished from yeah. a hurricane. Yeah. And so we worked on uh, resurrecting a church with my father and you yeah. and I. And uh, you got to know Todd Penning through that process. What I loved about that, if I can speak to short-term mission trips, yeah. is we went in there and we kicked butt and took names on building a church. Mm-hmm. And then we got out. Yeah. None of this Sunday school, trying right. to have a class with the kids, the local kids, you know, for right. four days and that kind of thing. I mean, we played basketball at the back at our, yeah. our lodging or whatever. But, yeah, we just got in, man. Well, yeah, you're right. We built there the was, church and got out. Yep, you know? There was no ambiguity as to what we were doing and no yeah. fluff. And I think there's a place for both of those things to um, – kind of exist i do yeah. think short-term mission trips have really taken a brunt of hits within some of the evangelical world and have you, probably, seen, have you seen john chris's video about short-term mission is trips? he the redhead he's, long hair guy yeah, long, yeah, yeah. yeah he's got the big swoop kind of yeah, thing and he's yeah, like yeah. he's like okay well monday is shopping day <laughs> tuesday is beach day right. wednesday we're gonna do a little bit of service just a little bit and then yeah it's hilarious. just a little bit <laughs> it's hilarious. yeah he he yeah. totally touches on yeah. these miss norms but um <laughs> For the sake of their value, yeah. man, it was such a great experience that we received yep. um, so well as well as we're able to give. But so we meet Todd. Yep. Fast forward ten years later, at least yep. Todd is trying to open uh, his own wings wing place yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Retail food service. Yep. And uh, he had been spending more time with you at that time, and he said, "Listen, I I was being challenged with a new role at the camp I work at with." online marketing getting our name out having presence on social media yeah he's like go talk to your cousin mark um with his franchising and with his experience at as this coffee shop he's really had to dig into that yeah and so give me a few tidbits from that i remember you had this at the time this five marketing tip those might be deep in here but tell me a little bit about that process not maybe only how bag boys allowed you to be uh reasonably successful at opening these three franchises but um you know this whole this whole piece of attention i can remember you deciding to take your employees and you guys did the Harlem Shake video. Yeah. And I think one of your do- your daughters were in there. Yeah. And, yeah. and Aunt Mary's. I was doing push-ups and, and she's sitting oh, on my shoulders and it, stuff. Yeah. And it was just when Harlem Shake was peak, like yeah. opening up. I was like, what yeah. is this? Yeah. Uh, you guys, when you were opening, you did a little guitar riff with yeah. your employees. There's this piece about employee culture that you have nailed. Yeah. And I want, just give me a little tidbit about your values on what makes that an important piece for other yeah. people. Yeah. Well, so so within our franchise, you know, franchises have to, um, in order for them to be scalable, they have to develop systems. Mm-hmm. And so, and systems and, um, you know, I hate to say it, but like acronyms, right? Just to, so everybody, there's there's standards and there's, there's things that everybody says that just sure. can give you a snapshot of what we're about. And one of them is our um, philosophy, I think, operating philosophy, I'm going to say is what it is. Um, And there's four letters, but the one that, um, the two that really speak to how I wanted to run is um, every customer leaves the store in a better mood than when the customer arrived Mm -hmm. and recognize each customer as an individual. Those are two of the four. The rest of them have to do with brewing coffee and, sure. you know, fast yeah. service and stuff like that. And um, it didn't take me long to realize, well, my biggest marketing dollar is my labor line, not my printing coupons or right. Facebook marketing or anything like that. Billboard right? use on the highway. Because you can have the fanciest billboard that's going to ring them in at least once. But if you got nothing going on, you got right. emptiness inside inside your stores. They won't be coming then, back. Then in your in your customer service, people aren't handling it. Then they're not coming back, mm-hmm. right? And so I started to adapt. Every individual leaves the store in a better mood than when the individual arrived, and recognize each individual as an individual rather than 
I'd replace the word customer with individual. Right. And it, and so so that became that my most important people that I interact with, that I can walk in the lobby and I can and I can shake hands with customers and, and glad hand and everything like that. But when I'm gonna interact with people and I can interact with them and I love that. But if I'm gonna interact with people, I need to interact with my employees. Yeah. On my payroll. And yeah. and with my vendors. Yeah, because I can I can remember the hours you were taking from Bag Boys and I know at the early onset you were putting in the hours at your first store and yeah. then your second store. Yeah. Um and you were putting in what I would call sweat equity where oh, it's yeah. um Mark's character goes a long way. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're doing that for sixteen hours, twenty hours um, at the end of the day, Mark's going to get exhausted for sure. And so I saw you as a manager and, and an owner transition that from putting in all the sweat equity and seeing how far your character will go yep. to this idea of replicating yourself yep. and replicating the culture inside of you that you were giving yep. the customers yep. into your employees. Yep. What did that look like? Um, it was quite the process for sure, but we, uh, we just started adapting sort of the mantra of of what would Mark do, you know, the WWJD bracelets. <laughs> yeah. We just changed it to WWMD instead. Sure, sure, sure. And and what it became was was I gave my people permission to make off color might be a little bit extreme, but make these comments to customers that a normal customer service person would not make to a normal customer, right? For the sake of being a little more personalized? For the sake of... of being goofy? Being goofy. <laughs> being goofy, but I think um, I think just being real, you know? Yeah. A little bit yeah. more raw. So, so, for instance, I had a customer come in, and she's got a um, an auto body shop folder in her hand and she's frazzled she's trying to order and she's you can mm. just tell she's just had a morning you mm -hmm. know i was like hey is everything okay you know and she's like no she's like i hit two deer on my way in this morning you know and everything like that and and you could just tell right like she's yeah, you know it's not going well and and so mm. so and this is where my love of the office comes in right and i'm like oh no are the deer okay you know right <laughs> sure <laughs> and and, and uh. she just busts out laughing you know <laughs> i hope not she says you know and 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 right uh, and and it's like it's that kind of stuff that it's like nobody does that anymore you yeah know what i mean like nobody and it, and it and i'm sure there are plenty of customers who i ticked off yeah right? that could like go I, awry yeah, right yeah you know and it's and it's like but but if you follow the mantra what would mark do what would yeah. mark say yeah how would mark act yeah right now you know then I'm going to have your back yep. regardless of what, you know, of what the customer actually says, yep. you know, um, then I'm, I'm going to have your back and, and, you know, do it like I yeah. do it like I do it. And, yeah. and we won't have any, we won't, I won't have any beef with you, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And so. the thought there too, is I think, you know, a customer recognizing that there's a person on the other side of right. this, you know, right. A separation between us. Right. I feel a little more, a touch more comfortable when I walk in. Right. And so then you had the growth of these mug clubs that people were coming in on a consistent basis. Yep. I have some great friends that lived in the area that would work here three days or work in your, in your coffee shop three yeah. days a week. Yeah. Simply because they felt at home, they felt welcomed yep. and they knew another person was on the other end. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, that, that's always the, that was the other side is that, um, when you get into these franchise systems and you, and you have a brand that's that's well known, certainly in the state of Michigan, at least this brand is, that you you run the risk of just being another big chain. You run the risk of being the man from a global perspective, mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing. And so I've always I've always come into it on the offset of I want to I want to be the micro I want to micro brand myself mm -hmm. so that when people walk into a store 
in my area, they're just like, oh, these yeah. guys, these guys know what's going on. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, and man, like, so, so with one store, not a problem. That's easy. With two stores, not too much of a challenge, you know? With three stores, whew, that becomes, mm-hmm. that becomes a challenge trying to get my personality in all three stores, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that just involves a lot of running around, interacting with my employees, still interacting with customers. Right. Um, but a big thing at that point was we moved back into the area we were living out, uh, 30 some minutes away. Right. Now, now I'm a mile away from one coffee shop and, and, and not too far away from the other ones Yeah. that when people see, oh, that's the Bigby guy in Meyer, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, he shops in the same place that I shop, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> right. right? Like it becomes a little bit less apart. Yeah. Or, or mystic or, or yeah. mythological, you know, that kind of thing. Like, oh, he's just a normal guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and, and they start to realize like, like, oh, his kids are acting up too in the middle of the grocery store mm, or whatever, you know what right. I mean? That kind of thing. Right? right. Or, oh, he's tired too. No wonder, you know, but yeah, yeah that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and so out of that, you've been able to, you know, noticeably replicate that culture and yourself. Um, I saw recently you were either in a wedding for one of your main right-hand yeah. men. Yeah. Um, we, at, at the camp I work at, we host a lot of weddings, and I've had one or two of your former employees say, oh, do you know Mark Dykema? I say, yes. yeah, he's my cousin, actually. <laughs> and, and just they would talk about their experience just as an employee. Yeah. Um, other cousins that have, have – that have come in as customers and have worked, you know, in and around your area. And just so a real accolades to you yeah. of them saying, uh, it meant something. Yeah. And so, yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and that's, um, the, the Enneagram number three is the one that's going to measure and compete on mm-hmm. certain things. Um, but, uh, a seven, a seven wants to be competitive, but they want to have fun doing it, you know that kind of thing. So I'm going to pay attention to the fun metrics, right. and not so much about the non-fun metrics, yep. you know. And and so so I, I, one of the metrics that I sort of pay attention to is how many weddings am I being invited mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. or a part of. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've had, I think we've probably gone to over thirty weddings or been in. In I'd say probably a dozen of those, and right. then attended the other eighteen. Yep. Um, just because, and who invites their employer? Right. Or, or and even more so, who invites their previous employer who they stopped working for a year and a half ago when they moved yep. back home? Yeah. You know that kind of thing. But yet they get they invite us. Yeah. And it's like, and that means something because it it just means that we're pouring into people. And, and it's being reciprocated, you know, invited to the wedding is sort of the, is sort of the, an indicator of it, yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. but it's like, it's knowing that we're doing that well means that when I'm gone for a week camping mm-hmm. with my family, I don't have to worry about a thing here, right. you know? Right. And they aren't going to be stealing from me and they aren't going to be talking badly about me, you know, and the whole place isn't going to become this completely different place within seven days of my presence, not necessarily being in that store, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That, that is a, that's a big blessing. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to leave some space for your enthusiast self because there's a few new endeavors on the horizon for you. Sure. I want to transition into three questions that we end every podcast with and we begin with what is good. Secondly, we talk about what could be better. And thirdly, we talk about what's next. So mm-hmm. beginning with what's good, what's good in your life that makes you come alive each day? Man, what is good? Well, there's there's just so much there. Um, I mean, four kids that are healthy. Mm. Can't complain about that. Um 60 employees that just work their tail off for Mm -hmm. us for not a lot of money, you know, 
that's that's super good um not missing any meals you know and and the businesses are going well and um yeah there's just there's just so much good Mm. that it's it's almost overwhelming you know yeah um and i and i love to ponder when i'm emotionally healthy i love to ponder what's good yeah yeah um and yeah i mean what gets me up in the morning is is knowing that today something new and exciting is going to happen um some new conversation is going to happen yeah that that i didn't anticipate happening Uh, i'm i'm very very gifted at being asked what time it is and telling people how to build the clock so (laughs) so uh so i run into a customer and and 45 minutes later, you know, I've just yeah. found out all sorts of interesting things about them. Yeah. And, and just the ability, the flexibility to have to do that and not have to worry about running to the store to get more milk and, or, you know, where the next meal is going to come from. Right. Um, and whether or not my kids are, are being taken care of. Yeah. Uh, we homeschool, so I know that they're being taught really well. Mm-hmm. You know, that their teacher is very attractive. I can say that much. So, parent, parent teacher conferences yes. are tough for you yes. to focus. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 I can finally tell people I'm sleeping with my kid's teacher. So. <laughs> I have been so impressed with the wonderful Jennifer, just the way she oh, my um, cares for their nutrition, oh. um, their overall well being. She is um, a rock star. Spouses I... are great. Things to be grateful for. I I could not imagine what kind of a mess I would be if that woman wasn't Mm. part of my life, Mm. you know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, a whole trajectory away from that, because nothing could be better. (laughs) Nothing could be um, better. Let's talk about, uh, I I avoid the word bad, but I talk about what needs mending in this world. So we talk about uh, what makes your heart come alive when you see things that could be better and yeah. you want to get involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. I um, try my best to not be cynical, right? Um, cynicism as part of the Enneagram. Um, so there's it's called disintegration and integration points. And it's where mm-hmm. you uh, travel. If you search Enneagram symbol right now, it looks like a satanic symbol. Um, like a circle with a triangle yeah, within got, it. and then it's got a bunch of it's got a bunch of lines shooting all over yeah, the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those are called integration and disintegration points. And so it's sort of like um, the bumper lanes on a bowling alley, right? And if you're healthy, you're driving kind of right down the middle of the lane, probably maybe leaning a little bit more towards your integration point. Mm-hmm. And if you're unhealthy, you're you're bumping the the bumpers along the side of your disintegration point, which is the negative characteristics of another number. And that would be, for me, a one, which is a perfectionist, and the negative characteristics of a perfectionist are um, cynicism Mm -hmm. and anger. Mm -hmm. And so if I find myself, now I know, if I find myself being cynical, that I am in an unhealthy spot. If I find myself um, being an inspector from a wow, that's new and unheard of. I'd like to learn more about that. Um, that is the five, and that's my integration point. So that means that's that's sort of a sign that I'm that I'm healthy. Does oh, that so, make sense? Yeah, this idea of a healthy curiosity versus yeah. so you're still you're still investigating. You're still kind of e- even picking something apart from yep. oh, but yep. it's from a place of healthy curiosity as yep. opposed to. I'm going to pick this apart and just talk about everything that's wrong. Right, right, exactly. And so so for me, uh, in trying not to be cynical, I if I find myself being cynical, I, I want to say, how can I solve this, mm-hmm. right? And so the thing I think that's, um, what did you say, broken? Yeah, is, what's broken that needs yeah, mending? Yeah. Or what's wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 For me, it's the the binary assumptions of other people Mm. um we've got a two-party system that disagrees about everything Mm -hmm. and if you take one particular viewpoint from one particular party 
then you're automatically assumed to be wholeheartedly in that camp. 100% aligned. You are very black or white in that camp. Yes. And if it doesn't happen to align with, even if, even if we disagree about this one particular point, and we might, you, you know, I'm not going to even give you the chance to see what, where, where we do find alignment. Right. right? That kind right. of thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's disheartening and it's frustrating. Yeah. And then sort of the, the blindness to the binary thinking on the other side yep. of that. You yep. know what I mean? That kind yep. of thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. I, you know, when, it, when I've asked that question to several individuals over the last few months, um, somewhat of the same theme comes up yeah. of we have an inability to treat the other with goodness and kindness. Yeah. Simply because we're seeing people so much as the other. Right. Either you're in my camp and we believe these seven things together. Yes. Or you are in that other camp and, and you have lost it. Yes. And, and it goes will, it and, goes both ways. And you may have a nugget of wisdom mm-hmm. that I could hear from you if I were willing to listen, but I'm not going to listen because right. we disagree about something completely abstract. Yeah. You know, that doesn't even matter in some ways, you know, that kind yeah. of thing, you know. I so. rarely talk online with people about politics because yeah. it is just such a, that it's that scenario. Right. And I, I spoke with a, a gentleman that was friends with my dad before he passed, and he, um, very staunch conservative Republican and, and very against some of the the challenging, um, more progressive policies of our day. And yeah. so we would I would just see time after time where he'd talk about this. And then I saw him quote uh, JFK. And I gave him a little nudge like, hey now. quoting a Democrat. How about that? <laughs> and, you know, he said something very interesting to me um, that I had great respect for. And he said times were different back then. Yeah. Um, and, and I would agree. And, yeah. But to his point, I think we had greater respect for yeah. those who we did find on the other side. Right. 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yep. And I think we would all agree that we have to find that common denominator or right. more of those common denominators right. um, that that is lost right. so much. Right. Yeah. 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 So it does, it does make sense. That's a good word. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, good word from you. It came from you. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the credit, yeah. I guess. Uh, to finish, yeah. I want to nail this one because, um, You've got a lot going on in your life, and I'm excited for what's next. So yep. tell me when we, we get away from what's good, what could be better, what's next for, for Mark Degma? Well, in alignment with the what could be better, um, what's next? Well, in discovering that I'm an Enneagram 7, sure. Um, I have the ability to find something to be very interesting, especially when I'm healthy, and then I want to go all in on that particular topic. Yeah. That that thing. And not because I'm not necessarily because I'm interested in the byproducts of that thing, like like buying a bunch of sewing machines. Right. 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 I it's not because I wanted to become a master quiltist or something like that. Yeah. Um and um getting into honeybees wasn't necessarily i mean it was because i wanted to pollinate my garden and i wanted to get some honey yeah but then i just started i started to figure out some really interesting things about honeybees and the beekeeping world and i was like dude we got to do something with this right and we got to take the ball and run with it and so we so we went all i mean me and a buddy went all in on beekeeping stuff and um and for 18 months it was if you talk to me all i would talk to you about was beekeeping and all this and this interesting facet about this and you can do this and this and this and this and this and this so many interesting things right well so so now and that was before i knew i was a seven i mean i always i've always known i was a seven i just didn't know i was a seven because the other side of that is i i my beekeeping buddy i dropped him high and dry right Mm. once once i found something new and interesting Mm. you know the fence isn't done in my backyard because I found a new and interesting project to work on, which is a deck, which also wasn't finished here in December around my pool. You're making and, me feel like more of a seven in my own life. Yeah. <laughs> Nines also don't finish projects, so that's that's ah. another thing. So yeah. So yeah. my egress window that took six months uh, 
There is something to do with it. Yes, that. exactly. So, so, um, so I found out about homing pigeons. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's a entire subworld that has homing pigeons, breeds homing pigeons for their speed, and then they race homing pigeons. Yes. And from amateur status of we've got homing pigeons in our respective backyards, we load them up onto somebody's truck and drive them 200 miles away and uh-huh. open them up. And whosoever birds get back fastest, fastest average yards per minute, um, that bird's the winner. And, you know, we each put 10 bucks in the in the kitty, and so yeah. I, I yeah, get yeah. 20 bucks, right? Yeah. Down to... Um, Somebody has a bunch of baby birds that they received. They train them all to fly to their single coop. Yep. And they drive them a thousand miles away and they flip open the, the gates and thousands of birds are all flying to the exact same coop in this one person's backyard and the winner gets a million bucks. Right? Yeah. Like this world exists. Yes. Right? And and so I found out that a friend of mine has homing pigeons, races them, has this whole hobby thing. And I'm like, this sounds interesting. <laughs> the the nugget that I have, the nugget of information that I have, sounds interesting. I want to learn more. Yeah, I need more. I sit down with him, and we chatted in the front of one of my coffee shops for three hours about mm. homing pigeons. And would have chatted for longer if we both didn't need to get home, right? And I get home. I hustle home. I was going to say fly home, but I didn't want to have a pun. I hustle home, and I'd say to Jen, I was like, we are getting homing pigeons. We are doing this and this. It's going to be, it's mm-hmm. going to be awesome. You know? Mm-hmm. And Jen's like, hold the phone. Right. Cause you are a seven and that's a wonderful thing, but you are more interested in talking to people about homing pigeons mm-hmm. than you are Caring. actually taking care of homing pigeons for the many years that they live. And you'll race them once they'll fly back to your coop and you'll think it's awesome. And you want to tell everybody about it. But then come next week, you're not going to fly them again, and they're going to be neglected, and they're going to be smelly sitting in the mm. backyard. And and I'm like, yeah, you're right, you know. And I'm like, but I need to find a way to do something about this, you know. Right. And and so um, you started your podcast. I had another friend start a podcast, and I was like, you know what? No offense to you. And I and I greatly respect what Seth Godin would be called leap first, uh-huh. um, because yeah. it's just you know what like like rather than having all our ducks in a row, you know, my pastor would say uh, you're waiting for your ship to come in, and when it finally comes in, you're at the airport, you yeah. know that kind of thing, yeah, right? For sure. That 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 you just did, right? And I'm like I'm like okay, I know Rick is busy with his day job, two boys. Alpha dates, right? <laughs> right? Everything like that. Right, right. If Rick can put together a podcast entirely, I can make it happen. Yeah. Right. And then I can fulfill this bucket that gives me so much energy and talk about not just homing pigeons, but yeah. talk about the next interesting hobby, the next underworld. And what I've come to find is um, with regard to this sort of binary assumptions of other people mm-hmm. is that that all of these underworlds are built based on what politics and life was like 30 years ago. Yeah. Where 40 years ago, where you're just good to each other, right? Yes. And and we may disagree about everything, but man, we've got birds. Yeah. And we race them and we just have a good time, you know, and we have fun and we can talk about stuff that we completely disagree about, but, because we got this in common, we can handle it. Yeah. And so, um, so I started a podcast. The podcast is called Enough to Be Dangerous, mm-hmm. and the tagline is: We probably didn't tell you everything, but hopefully, we told you enough to be dangerous. Nice. So that when people hear it's a certain topic or whatever, and then you know you you walk up to someone and you're like, Hey, you know anything about homing pigeons? They should, <laughs> if they listen to the podcast, they could say, I know enough to be dangerous. You know Absolutely. that kind of thing, right? So, so I love that. Um, but what I really love is that it's it's sort of it's it's connecting all of these subworlds and just showing that at our roots, you know, we're all interesting and unique and we've all got right. even if your job seems like the weirdest, most hocus pocus kind of thing, we've all got stuff that is all uh really, really 
important and can all sort of tie together. Absolutely. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, uh, yeah, no offense at all taken because for me, I had to jump into this. I'm a type of guy that looks at a guy like Mark Dykeman says, oh, he's got the website. Oh, he's asking for (laughs) feedback. He's got a little, like, display on the website. Um, He's got an outstanding sound man who I'm about to meet. Yeah. Um, But Easy on the eyes, too. Very easy on the eyes. Quite the individual over there. I don't know. <laughs> Enter Andrew. Hello. Um, but but really wrapping up, I'm I'm really excited about enough to be dangerous, and also excited to learn from one another. Yeah. I had to build a crash course with interesting ish, just beginning to get content out there. Yep. Just beginning to get my voice out there, and of the same vein, so many people from different wealths of knowledge. Yep. That I just said. I want to capture their voice. Yep. I want to get it out because I know there's other individuals where I can't create a coffee shop where the three of us, well, I could find a coffee shop in Holland. I know a place. Where the three of us could get <laughs> together, but who has that time? Yeah. And the beautiful thing about podcasts and why everybody's doing them is because they're less of a commitment than a 20-minute video. Yep. If you have a commute that's 45 minutes yep. or you're on a train for three hours. Or, or walking that your dog. Walking yep. that dog in the morning. Yep. You have an ability to put valuable information into your head yep. um, that hopefully can just benefit the next person down the line. Exactly. So exactly. That is my hope, and um, I'm super stoked for your guys' um uh, endeavor with this as well. So tell us really quickly where everybody can find you with Enough to be Dangerous. Wherever you downloaded Interesting-ish, you yes. can download Enough to be Dangerous. Awesome. So it's a orange circle. It's got a little call out to the Enneagram 7. It's my disintegration and integration lines are drawn across a circle. Awesome. And then it says Enough to be Dangerous in the in little space in there. And yeah. And there's an acronym website as well? Yeah, etbdpodcast.com. So you can find a little bit more there. Awesome. Uh, there's not a lot there, but you can find something there. So. Well, we look forward to seeing how that develops. And uh, sounds like you're going to have some great guests. It's going to be a good time. All yeah. right. Thanks for joining us on Interesting-ish. And uh, we'll see you folks down the line.